This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. New research suggests more Canadians could benefit from palliative care, reducing the number of visits to intensive care and emergency departments for terminally ill Canadians in the last months of life. A new survey by the Canadian Institute for Health Information reveals 75% of Canadians want to die at home. The report also suggests that people who access palliative home care services in their final year of life are two and a half times more likely to want to live at home until their dying day. It's estimated nearly 90% of all Canadians could benefit from palliative care in their last year of life, but only 15% of people who died in this country in 2016-2017 received publicly funded palliative home care. Have you had access to palliative care for a loved one? And how did this improve the quality of -of end-of-life care? Or maybe you tried to access palliative care without success. Your stories are welcome. 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Tracy Johnson is the Director of Health System Analysis and Emerging Issues at the Canadian Institute for Health Information. And she joins me in studio to talk about this very important topic. Thank you. Good afternoon, Jane. Tracy, we're probably best to define palliative care to start with, if you could do that for us. Palliative care is about symptom management and supportive care for people who have life-limiting illnesses. And by that, we mean things like cancer, lung disease, heart disease, or dementia. And the aim of this wraparound care is to improve quality of life and decrease suffering as people go through their illness towards their death. Suffering such as pain, physical symptoms, emotional symptoms, or spiritual symptoms. Palliative care should ideally start at the beginning of a diagnosis for one of these life-limiting illnesses and beyond to help you as a as a patient and your caregivers with that trajectory you're going to go through. Is palliative care offered in all scenarios? So in the hospital, hospice, at home, uh, it's not defined by where it's delivered? No, it's an approach to care and it can be done in any of those settings. In this report in particular, we're interested to understand about community or palliative home care because most Canadians express a wish to die at home. And why is that? Why, why do three quarters of Canadians, according to your survey, want to have their final breath taken at home? Um, For some people, it is probably about, like I could imagine, hospitals are places that are busy, they're impersonal, they they do a terrific job in life-threatening conditions, but when you're dying, you may want to have your family around at any hour of the day, you may want a calmer, 
um, place to be. And that, for most people, is their home. Would the emergence of more hospices uh, help alleviate um, the lack of access to proper palliative care in the final days? It is certainly one of the solutions. And we have hospices across all provinces in Canada. Their funding is between 30 and 100% comes from the provincial um, governments. We definitely do not have enough, and they tend to have time periods or limits on when you can go to them because they have a waiting list. Right. There are, there's limited availability. Um, I have firsthand um, uh, experience with a hospice. My mom died at Lassard House in Cambridge uh, with bladder cancer in 2012, and for as horrible of an experience as it is losing a parent, that um, atmosphere, that environment was really comforting. It was it was a special place and I know for my mom, she didn't want us to have the memories of her dying in the house, so that was very important for her to be in a hospice scenario, but we also realized that we were quite lucky that she was able to get a spot when she needed to be in a hospice care environment. Yes, absolutely, and those environments are set up often in homes and they have all the things that are available to you in your own home. If you wish a glass of wine with your loved one, you can have a glass of wine. If they want to sit in the garden, there's a garden to sit in. That's less doable in a hospital situation. So with this information, uh, what happens with it, uh, this survey? Where does this information go? Because it is all very interesting and it does make sense. But how will it advance uh, opportunities for Canadians to have more access? Um, we have a, a fair amount of work going on across the country right now. So the provinces have signed on to an agreement with the federal government on shared health priorities. And the focus there is on home and community care and improving access, and particularly for palliative, palliative and residential hospices. So this report adds information to the work that's being that's going on across the country right now. Our mandate is to produce good information so healthcare systems can make good decisions. I want to hear from you if you have a question of Tracy Johnson, the Director of Health System Analysis and Emerging Issues at the Canadian Institute for Health Information regarding palliative care. Uh, we certainly want to hear your stories because your stories lend support to the research that uh, CIH I has conducted here. Let's go to the phones. We'll uh, speak first with Anna in Toronto. Hi, Anna. Welcome to Fight Back. Hi. Um, I just have a comment. Well, my parents are not at the age of this issue for the old um, people for the palliative care, but I know I have a neighbor where I used to live, and she's in 95, and she wants to die at home, mm -hmm. and she used to be a nurse, and you know, she has people who help her and everything right from her home, and she's really happy. <clears throat> you know, she has control. And I think people should have that choice if they can. Tracy, I mean, that that's exactly what this survey is saying. Thank you, Anna. Yes, and when we interviewed patients about their experiences with access to palliative care, what we heard, particularly from uh, a couple of them, was that the, they did not think we were ready to do that yet, that they hoped that there was better access over time and that they wished their loved ones had even understood about the concept of palliative care and been able to have a conversation about it. 
And that's what we're doing here today. Uh, your calls are welcome till the top of the hour. We're talking about palliative care, how important it is for the v- vast majority of most Canadians who want to die at home when that day comes. Your voice is always encouraged in the conversation. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. Before we go to break, Tracy, maybe you can just tell us a little bit more about some of the highlights of the survey, what you found out from people across the country. So what we found out from uh, folks across the country is that uh, some of it is about folks across the country, but some of it is about um, the actual data that we can see. So when we talk to people and we ask them if they understand what palliative care is, we got two responses. One was that they didn't understand what what it was at all. They had no idea what the word meant. And others understood that it was something that you could access only at the end of life. So that's a conversation that we need to probably have both with patients, the public and care providers in Canada about the fact that it is broader than just the end of life. And what do we mean by that? Right. And and how do we ask for it, I guess, right? Uh, that That's probably a point of confusion for a lot of people when they get into a scenario with uh, a life-limiting disease, as you put it. Yes, and if you don't know to ask for it, or you don't have any triggers from your healthcare provider that that might be an option, then you won't go and seek that kind of care. All right, we'll take a quick break, and then we're back to your phone calls. You are waiting. Please hang on through the commercials, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. We're talking about palliative care and how important it is to Canadians uh, who want to die at home if they're in a situation where they have a life-limiting disease. Uh, They would prefer, most of us would prefer, 75% to die at home. And a new study from the Canadian Institute for Health Information also says that when there is access to palliative home care services in the last year of life, we are two and a half times more likely to want to die at home. Joining us for the conversation this half hour is Tracy Johnson, Director of Health System Analysis and Emerging Issues at the Canadian Institute for Health Information. Uh, we have a full bank of callers, so let's get to them. Robin Kitchener, hi, do you have a comment or question about this? This is, uh, Am I uh, on right now? You are live on the radio. Yes, sorry. No worries. Um, what I have, uh, W5 had an expose about old age homes, people going in a number of years ago, and it showed a person who was the youngest in the group going in, and in a year's time, this person was hobbling around and doing old things. Now, I have um, a friend. His stepfather was put into an uh, old-age home uh, uh, last year. In the space of a year, because I take him now and then out for a, a supper, He's gone from a vigorous person to somebody who needs a walker and can't get around anymore. And I swear to you, it's the old age homes does this to people. And, and why, what do you think is happening in the old age home versus had he been able to stay in because his, per, his people, personal home? Uh, around him are like this. Huh? Mm-hmm. And these people then take on the heirs of the people around them. 
Well, that's that's an interesting observation. Tracy, can you add to that? Um, well, where you seek care and where you need care, where you want to have care and where you're able to access care sometimes are not necessarily the same thing. And uh, it may be that his desire, the gentleman you're talking about, was to be at home, but he didn't have a choice. Uh, and one doesn't know whether, uh, you know, the place he's in is affecting, necessarily affecting his um his ability to move around and his ability to communicate uh, or whether he would have done that at home as well. It's hard to say. In that scenario, what kind of palliative care can be offered at home to improve life and to make sure we're still living life to the fullest, even though the circumstances are dire? So palliative care, whether it's offered in a long-term care or nursing home or it's offered at home, is usually a team comes in. So it involves your family doctor, a nurse, often an occupational therapist, so that the doctor monitors your medications. The nurse helps you juggle those based on whatever symptoms are happening at any point in time. The occupational therapist usually generally helps with your mobility as you're more limited and helps to keep you mobile or to um, come up with ways to do things in a different way as you become less mobile, as well as social work, so for the emotional support. Let's go to Sally in Aurora. Hi, Sally. You're on Zoomer Radio. Oh, hi, Jane. Um, I would like to make a comment about um, the fact that I had palliative care for my father back in 2011. And one of the things a lot of my friends have not realized is that having them come into the home was an amazing support for me as much as it was for my father, because I was his sole, well, not completely sole, but his carer at the time. And they were absolutely amazing. They supported me and my father through his last days with such calmness. It was just great. So what kinds of things were they doing to um, evoke that sort of response for both you and your father? at the time, it was CSA. I don't think they exist anymore, do they? But um, they, some of the nurses actually gave me their home phone numbers. Whether they were meant to, I don't know. Uh, But if anything upset me or I was worried about my dad at any point, they would let me call them and somebody would come very quickly just to make sure that he was doing okay and i was shocked because i really had heard such terrible things about people not being available and not people not coming out when they were asked to be come and i I, it was just fantastic tracy that's a big part of palliative care it's not just for the person who is dying it's for the loved ones around them Absolutely. And it sounds like Sally's scenario was the ideal scenario. It sounded like she had the amount of support that she needed at the right time in the right place. Was it difficult to access Sally? No, that was what was amazing. I, we were at the hospital um, for a checkup one day and somebody mentioned about the palliative care. And my father, his immediate reaction was, oh, no, I don't need that. But I realized as we went talking to them that it, I think he was feeling that palliative care was going to mean he was dying that day. Right. And it, it, it's the word <laughs> palliative, which is unfortunate for a lot of people. And yet I knew that 
if I didn't get it, I wouldn't be able to keep them at home. And I really got, I, I had it within two days. So it was just a matter of having that the, the conversation at the right time in the hospital setting allowed you to uh, have the help at home. Absolutely. And I, I really was not aware, and I don't think a lot of people are aware, that, that, that it is possible to have this. Well, we really I mean, appreciate you sharing your story. That it's, that's a very good news story. Yes, thank you. Thanks for thank calling you for in. Thank you be on this. Thank you. Let's go to Hank in Brantford. Uh, Hank, go ahead. Hey, Jane. Um, uh, I've got a 90-year-old mother in a uh, nursing home. Um, started out as um, uh, uh, Alzheimer's or whatever, dementia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I, I was running the ship for a while. And uh, the first thing I had to deal with was uh, she uh, makes it the bathroom, bathroom on a walker. And I'd get her back in bed, and as soon as she got back in bed, she had to go back to the bathroom. So imagine that uh, 24 hours a day. That's exhausting. Okay, so uh, uh, I got her into the hospital, and uh, obviously the hospital is way overrun. They've got to get them out of there as quick as they can, because the the nurses are uh, way overrun. Um, I I managed to get her into a nursing home, and... um, Apparently, the average uh, life expectancy for someone going in those places is, is like three months. And my mom's been go uh, been in there for five years now, and I, I'm an only child. And if I don't get in there almost every day, um, it really affects her her spirit. Um, you know, if I didn't show up for a, a few days, I wouldn't ex- I wouldn't expect her to be alive. Um, because she doesn't have that personal one-on-one support, is that why? Well, yeah, I'm going to tell you something about uh, about this uh, nursing home business, okay? Now, it depends on the individuals. I mean, the last lady, I mean, you know, God bless her for the... For what she got, I mean, but, but you know, you've you've got uh, Florence Nightingales in there, and you also got the the worst shrews that you ever could imagine. I, I had to go after one person, or you know, officially through the through the um, uh, you know the management in that place because she was. Such a well, I can't even use the word. No, I understand, and and Hank, I don't want to cut you off, but we're we're starting to get short on time. No, I I know, Jane, but you wouldn't want something like that in your house. That's no. all I'm going to tell you. No, and you know what? And your and your comments bring up a point that I I want to ask Tracy about. How do you? Um, what is the difference? How do you know that the kind of care you're going to get at home is going to be better? And I'm not saying uh, you know that Hank's story is reflective of all nursing homes and all nursing home staffs. I'm not saying that. But what what is the difference in care that you get at home than what you would get in an institution? Um. Institutional care and the kind that's being described sounds a little like that might be standard regular care. Palliative care would be an overlay on top of that. And so you might have more people come in to see your loved one in that setting, just as you have more people come in to see your loved one in a home setting. So what's being described doesn't quite sound like palliative care to me. It is long-term care or nursing mm-hmm. home care. Right. One last call here. Alma and Kitchener, go ahead. 
Hi, how are you today? Fine, thanks. What do you have to add here? Yeah, you know what? The services I had at home was wonderful for my mother. And then when she became sick, I took her to the hospital. And there, when she, while she was in the hospital, I talked to the nurse that when my mother is going to die, please let me know she would like to die at home. Mm-hmm. So she tells me next day on Thursday that your mother is going to pass away, so better take her home. So Thursday, I bring my mother home, and Friday, my mom, at 12 o'clock, she passed away in front of the whole family. And she was so happy to be home with everybody at the present. Whereas, second scenario, my brother, younger brother, he was sick, had cancer. So he was in the hospital. I brought him home. I was taking care of him. But the time came for his death. He wanted to die in the hospital. So I took him to the hospital, and then he passed away in the hospital. Right. I guess that's, and thank you for your call, Alma, I guess that that's... The, the, if we have a choice, we should be able to choose what's best for us. Absolutely. Our system has been set up so that palliative care is done until this point has mostly been done in hospitals through beds and special units. But people do want choices and the public is saying they would prefer to die at home. That doesn't mean, though, that all people will die at home or might prefer that. Right. So. And in terms of if, if uh, you're listening right now and you're in a situation where you would like to have more care at home, I know you're a researcher, you're not so much uh, be, uh, able to give specific guidance, but is there any sort of direction you can point people along? What I would say is if you're interested in palliative care and understanding what is available, there are a couple of routes. One is your family doctor, or if there are any specialists involved in your loved one's care. The other one is you can call the home care services in your area and ask questions. They'll also be happy to give you information. Thank you for coming in and talking with us today. Thank you very much, Jane. Tracy Johnson is the Director of Health System Analysis and Emerging Issues at the Canadian Institute for Health Information. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.